We have reached the day. It is Final Four Saturday 2021 men's tournament in the crazy COVID-19 compressed version of this tournament as they get ready to play the national semifinals at Lucas Oil Stadium between Baylor and Houston, followed by Gonzaga and UCLA. And we're so thrilled to be with you on College Basketball Coast to Coast. However you found this show through a social media link, on tune in on the tag sports group channel streaming top and bottom of the hour all day uh, throughout this final four Saturday all through the weekend through the championship game and then a Tuesday recap stick with the channel on tune in the show starts over top and bottom of the hour tag sports group tag also find the show on podcast Apple podcast Spotify Google podcast wherever you get podcasts college basketball coast to coast in a bit the legendary tom penders love his insight because he coached at texas where they've hired chris beard he coached at houston and they're in the final four tom penders with me in a little bit to help preview the cougars and the baylor bears but i cannot wait it is reunited and it feels so good even though we are not there in indianapolis we have traditionally been there final four after final four for sirius xm or fox sports radio or tune in so I am, in a way, uh, Jones in a little bit to be around Mark-wise, but I get to be with him right here on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Coach, good to have you. I'm just thrilled that we have a Final Four, and I'm thrilled <laughs> that I get to talk to you. Uh, I agree totally, TJ. It certainly beats uh, not being there, uh, in, in, or at no tournament is what I meant to say. And, um, yeah, I mean, what I miss the most, I think, about – uh, championship Saturday, the semifinals is the atmosphere around the arena. There is nothing like it. Monday is completely different, and we can discuss Monday on Monday. But on the, on the semifinal Saturday, the atmosphere around the arena where you have the four competing teams and their fans, the way that they mill around downtown wherever the uh, final four might be that particular year, it is truly a unique event. And if, you, if you're a, a hoop junkie and you've never done the Final Four, here's the way you want to do the Final Four. You want to go in on a Wednesday. You want to absorb what all is going on with FanFest and all of those things Thursday and Friday. You want to find out where the coaches are staying in a hotel and just, just go and gawk a little bit. And then you want to go to the semifinals on Saturday, sell your tickets at the end of the second game to whoever wins the second game, get out of town on Sunday, go watch the late championship game on Monday night on your couch. That's the way to do the final four. And this man would know from experience, my analyst, Mark Wise, hanging with me. Uh, again, this man, I don't want to make you out to be ancient, coached in the Final Four as an assistant with Purdue, 1980 in Indianapolis, broadcasted on Florida Gators right. Radio, Final Fours, plural, including one in Indianapolis in 2000, another national yeah. championship win in 06. Here we are back in Indianapolis. You and I were there in 2015 for the Kentucky unbeaten team, and they were beaten on semifinal Saturday by Wisconsin. Now we've got an unbeaten Gonzaga in the semifinals. But just say something before we get into the games about being in that city, because you've been there numerous times for semifinal Saturday. What do you remember about your experiences as a coach or a broadcaster um, going into semifinal Saturday and going into game mode? Well, yes, we're dating me. Yes, let's go ahead and say that. But um, <laughs> Jeff Meyer, who was a longtime assistant coach, uh, coached at Liberty for a long time. He and I were the two guys at Purdue way back when that we were the we were the student assistants, the grad assistants, the part time guy, the video guy. What they have about 12 guys doing now 
it was just he and I on that particular staff. And the thing for us is that at Purdue, um, we were so excited to, we actually won the regional at Rupp Arena in Lexington. And then we got to go, you know, you, you have this sense that going to the Final Four is so sexy and there's so much atmosphere. Well, we got to go all the way from West Lafayette, Indiana, on a 60-mile bus ride to Indianapolis. So, you know, we lost a little bit of the luster. We went on, speaking of losing, we also lost to UCLA in the semifinal. We made Kiki Vandeway a lot of money that day, by the way. Um, as a broadcaster, it's a little bit different because it's, as, a, as a, involved with the team, you try to isolate from the atmosphere. As a broadcaster, you wrap your arms around the atmosphere. Um, I was fortunate enough to do in the 2014 Final Four, I was, I was part of that first team cast experience. So I was doing the Gator broadcast uh, for TNT that day. And people at UConn uh, were looking for the Jim Nance version, didn't find that and found the Gator version. And let me just say, that was my introduction to how volatile Twitter can be. Um, so from that standpoint, I think that's one of the biggest differences, even as a broadcaster, even you and I, when you and I get to go, we wrap our arms around the atmosphere. Well, we're right in it, and it is truly a special weekend. Yeah, no doubt about that, and, and we've relayed this over and over again. In terms of invincibility, that Kentucky team was undefeated. We saw them all year. You broadcast it all year uh, in 2015, right. and then Wisconsin beat them on Final Four Saturday. I keep saying this. UNLV 30 years ago, Larry Johnson, Stacey Augman, Greg, Greg Anthony, Jerry Tarkanian, they looked un invincible, and Duke – had been blown out by them the year before with Mike Krzyzewski. They rolled in unbeaten, and they got beat in Indianapolis. So it's there's just something about the magic of this, and that that kind of leads us into the games here. Go Yeah, go ahead. What else? I want to bring up one thing. Uh, I, I, I tried to preach to fans how hard it is to win a game in the tournament, how hard it is to get to a Final Four, how hard it is to win an NCAA title. So I thought I would try and quantify this. So I'm going to throw some numbers at you. Sure. Billy Donovan, in his Hall of Fame career at Florida, he was here 19 years. He didn't make the NCAA tournament five times. So if you counted that as a minus one, and the years you make the tournament but don't win, that's a zero, and you win a game, that's one, and so on. So the two years that they won it all, they get credit for six, okay? What do you think Billy Donovan's over – over that 19-year span, what do you think his average number of wins in the NCAA tournament is based on that formula? Uh, the average number of wins, I bet, is a lot lower. I bet it's a loaded question. I bet it's like two, even with the championships. Am I too high on that? 1.6. So if that doesn't tell you how hard it is to win games in the NCAA tournament, John Calipari – I did the exact same thing for Kentucky over his career. Guess what his number is? I'm thinking it's lower than 1.6. I'll go 1.2. <laughs> no, it's not that low because they don't lose in the first weekend. It's 2.4. When I did this, TJ, it was a slap in the face about how difficult it is to advance in the NCAA tournament. 
No doubt about that. And again, we got a few more minutes with Mark Wise. I love his insight. Final Four Saturday. All right, let's get into it. The first game up is Baylor and Houston. I know Tom Penders is going to talk a little more after you about Kelvin Sampson and his defense. But from your perspective, Baylor, the one seed, comes off a COVID pause, has has gotten their act back together. Very talented team. What, What about this matchup? Give me a couple of X's and O's, Coach. Well, there's a couple of things. One is Davion Mitchell, and don't you love his nickname? off night because whoever he guards has an off night. I would expect off night to guard Quentin Grimes. I think that makes Marcus Sasser a real important uh, uh, piece of the, of the puzzle for Houston. It's interesting. You know, we, we know that Houston is number two in offensive rebounding percentage, according to Ken Palm. They play at a slow tempo, 328. Uh, in their four NCAA games, they're averaging just a little more than 62 possessions a game. That's a lower pace per game than UCLA, and we'll get to UCLA in a few minutes. So I think they want to win the game in a certain way. Baylor, the number one three-point shooting team in the in the league in the in the country, they don't shoot a lot of free throws. Houston does foul a lot. So I'm throwing out a lot of things, but I'm going to come down to this key number in the game: 15. Houston must get 15 or more offensive rebounds because that's what they do best. They had 19 in their regional final win. And then 15, meaning Baylor can shoot no more than 15 free throws. So keep those two two numbers in the – or two categories with the same number in mind. I think that will dictate the game. I see this as being – a two-possession game with eight minutes to go, and I think Baylor will pull away for the win. Love my ESPN and SEC network analyst, Mark Wise. He's been with me on TuneIn for the last eight years. Uh, Again, as we talk the Final Four on the Final Four Saturday, follow him at MW Hoops on Twitter. Uh, We love his uh, insight. I thought you were going to say you and I know an awful lot about off nights. We have a lot of off nights, you and I, when we're (laughs) around, but you didn't pick up. Uh, on that one and by the way it's semi-final Saturday and Houston's in the final four in so many years with five slamma jamma it was electric with all the dunks I got a number for you that Houston Louisville semi-final Albuquerque New Mexico I believe you were there for that right. 1983 they had 13 dunks that day against right. Louisville <laughs> I don't know that they've had 13 dunks in the first four games of this tournament. They don't dunk the ball, but we'll see what happens. I got about three minutes left. Gonzaga, UCLA, the nightcap, put on the coach's uh, $3,000 suit and tie figuratively for me. What does this come down to, Mark, for the Gonzaga attempt to get to the title game unbeaten and UCLA trying to keep their magical run up? What do you say? Well, there's no question we're going to have a tug of war on tempo uh, in terms of the way UCLA wants to play and the way that Gonzaga wants to play so let me throw some 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 yearly averages out at you and see how we can apply those um Gonzaga the number one offensive team in the country they're the number one two-point shooting team in the country a lot of that has to do with Drew Timmy they're sixth in tempo and in their four NCAA games they've averaged 72 possessions let me also throw this at you Gonzaga this year TJ has played in three games where they have scored less than 80 points. That's it. Three. Two of those were against St. Mary's. Neither one of those games were close. So I'm sure that, you know, Mick Cronin's a smart dude, and he plays a certain way. Uh, UCLA's tempo is 338. That's the reason why they've gotten this far in their five NCAA games. 
they've averaged 66 possessions, but two of those games went to overtime. So those, those numbers are skewed just a little bit. So they're right. going to want this game in the low 60s in possessions. Gonzaga is going to want this game in the high 70s in terms of possession. Um, I think it comes down to this. I, I think it's the, the three-point line. I think UC, I've tried to look every way that UCLA can win this game. And I know in my heart that the genesis of all great upsets in this day and age starts at the three-point line. So I think UCLA is going to have to have a Villanova 85 kind of experience. Now, they're going to have to make 10 or more threes. And I think they're going to have to hold – Gonzaga to less than 10 threes. I'm looking at three point differential. All right. I got about a minute left. And again, it's a great, it's a great point that Gonzaga has won like 28 straight games by double figures. What happens if this is a game in the final two minutes, the final possession, that's where UCLA has beaten Michigan state has beaten Michigan has beaten Alabama in a close game slash overtime game. Gonzaga hasn't had one of those. Uh, especially right. recently. So we'll see what happens there. One final thought. I got 30 seconds. Anything you want on Final Four Saturday, Mark Wise, go. Well, I'm going to go one more thing about the Gonzaga-UCLA game. It's like getting in the ring with Clubber Lang. You need to survive the first couple of rounds. Amen. And for UCLA, I think the first eight minutes will be key because Gonzaga has been running roughshod over every opponent in the NCAA tournament thus far. Yeah, withstand the early barrage. That's what this man does. Prediction. I'm going to quote Rocky Three. Pain. That's what uh, Mr. <laughs> T said. This man doesn't bring the pain. He brings great insight and analysis. Promise me I get you Monday when we know the national championship participants, Mark Wise. I look forward to it. Enjoy the final four, sir. I'm watching today. I'm selling my tickets on Sunday. I'll meet you on Monday. <laughs> And we are continuing on with the final four coming up on Saturday. It will be Houston and Baylor up first. The Old Southwest Conference opponents meeting for a shot at the national championship game on Monday night. Gonzaga, UCLA in the late game. Both of those matchups at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. So I'm ready to get some breakdown on that and some great insight on that, but also on the Texas hiring of Chris Beard. And who better to help me on college basketball coast-to-coast to to give me some insight and some some expertise, really, on that situation than the former coach of the Running Horns. He had Texas in the Elite Eight back in 1990. He had four different teams in the NCAA tournament, uh, by the way, uh, including Rhode Island in the Sweet 16. And he also coached the Houston Cougars into the NCAA tournament. So I want to talk to him about that. Tom Penders is back with me. I love the coach back with me here on the show. Happy Final Four weekend. This is tremendous. I know you're excited in basketball fans, coaches, ex-coaches, everybody. They're all excited this weekend. How can you not be? It's great stuff. Good to have you, Coach. Exactly. And it's April Fool's Day, too. <laughs> no Some pre- of the calls you- I got earlier today, I thought for sure they were April Fool's jokes. I thought you were <laughs> about to tell me that you've taken another coaching job and then say April Fool's no. on me. On that, that would be a good one. Uh, hey, no April Fool's on Chris Beard. And I've had you on before, and you've talked to me. I remember you talked to me a couple of years ago prior to Texas Tech making the Final Four about Chris Beard, his journey, a journey that started with you, and now it's a journey that has led him to Austin, Texas, from Lubbock to Austin, Texas. What are your thoughts on Chris Beard getting that job? 
Well, I'm thrilled for Chris, and I'm also thrilled for Texas. I was, you know, I my program started in 1988-89, and we came from the ground up, or maybe below ground up, uh, to get into the tournament my first year and win 25 games. And most people, I think we were picked for seventh that year in the preseason poll, mainly because none of the old coaches in the league that were left behind liked me. <laughs> and the other, and the, and the other one was I had no right to predict success, but uh, I had a better hand than I thought was dealt to, to me, in that I had Travis Mays, Lance Blanks, and Joey Wright, the better known on campus and around the state as the BMW. Uh, there were three fantastic players who who had that, you know, physical. Uh, we're going to out-tough you attitude. Even though we ran and we got a lot of threes up, we also pressed everybody full court, which you don't see a lot of today. But you do see, see teams, you know, favoring the three-point shot. Uh, where, you know, I kind of brought that to Texas. Everybody thought I was out of my mind when we took 30 shots and a comeback win. Uh, imagine that, 33s? That's what Mike D'Antoni's Rockets got up in the first half most of the time. So, <laughs> anyway, um, I'm excited as can be because, you know, I pull for Chris all the time. And when I'm not pulling for Chris, I, I root for Texas. Uh, I like Shaka Smart very much, and he treated me and my former players very well. And, and, uh, you know, in a way I'll miss him, but now I don't have to go through a, a tough night when Texas plays Texas Tech uh, because, you know, I'm, I'm with Chris Beard and he's with me. We're family. You saw something in Chris Beard and you mentioned it very early on. Did you just, uh, I mean, it's easy to say now, but did you – see in him this guy can be a a really top-notch coach even as a 22 23 i know he was working basketball camps with you as well did you see it then yep absolutely uh chris wanted to be a coach and uh you know he wanted to walk on perhaps but we had that year a, a pretty full squad with everybody back and, you know, he told me in his letter to me during the summer before he came to Texas that he, his dream was to be a Division One basketball coach. And, you know, we, we told him, you know, come on, come on in early if you can, and we'll give you a job in our camp. And, you know, he had the little kids all week long, every week that we had camp, which was about five weeks. And, his team always won, and he was always voted the most popular coach at camp at the same time. And, the, you know, the ages range from from 6 uh, to 17. Uh, so, you know, the kids liked and respected Chris way back then. He brought enthusiasm to everything he did. And then after raising uh, rising up the ladder as a manager in his senior year, he was a student assistant and that that was real i mean he was he was a member of the coaching staff and then he 
stayed in touch. A lot of kids, they get out there on their own and they figure they don't need help. Chris has always involved me in whatever movies made. Like, you know, I'm going here, coach, and I've got this opportunity over here and there, and I think I'm, I'm going to the right place. And I would always say to him, Chris, that's something you need to decide on your own. You know, every individual has certain likes and dislikes and you have to figure that stuff out. And so I didn't get a phone call from Chris Del Conte, who's a good friend, nor did I get a call from Chris Beard in this last week. And I'm glad I didn't because, you know, you like people to make their own decisions and, and uh, I don't want to be blamed if something happens. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. From my standpoint. But Chris is Chris is a can't-miss guy. I mean, his first year, I don't know. A lot of that will depend on how many kids stay and uh, what the tra- you know that, that uh, transfer portal. Uh, I wish we had one of those when I was coaching, but mm. uh, uh, can, it can be like grabbing a junior college kid that you think uh, can start for you and you've been on them all year. And luckily, nobody else got on him, uh, but he ended up with you, and that happened with me at Texas. But this portal deal uh, is a different thing. You can handpick your kids, and whether it be a senior or a junior or whatever, and make plans uh, for your future in building your next squad. Well, and we'll see if Chris is able to do that or not. And obviously, that is a fresh situation at the time. We're talking with Tom Penders. I love his insight. And again, he had Texas uh, about as high as you could have them. Rick Barnes later took them to a Final Four. And of course, Chris had them in a national championship game at Texas Tech. And that's what, obviously, Texas sees as a possibility as well. I wonder, uh, real quick, with Roy Williams, uh, a contemporary of yours who's coached a long time as a longtime Dean Smith assistant, but 33 years at Kansas and North Carolina. He moves on speculate with me there's a lot of talk that it may be hubert davis off his staff that it could be somebody like wes miller a former player briefly at carolina not much of a player but he's done a good job as a head coach at unc greensboro he's had five straight 20 win seasons coach penders has uh wes miller at greensboro the job may be too big for him though at carolina to come in i don't know or does North Carolina maybe venture outside the Dean Smith, Roy Williams, Carolina family and tree and go after a huge name? What's your thought on what the Heels might do real quick before I ask you about the games on Saturday? What do you think? Speculate. Well, I think it might be time to break away from that. Um, but if they do hire somebody, uh, it'll probably be out of the NBA and not college basketball because I don't see any North Carolina guys out there that are, you know, doing a bang-up job as college coaches. Um, They can't afford to hire somebody who doesn't have uh, a path of success. Uh, And it's a tough, tough job. Uh, Roy did win, what, three national championships there, and he should be given all kinds of credit for that. Uh, I just wish in my career I inherited one of those jobs. (laughs) (laughs) like you said he's a lucky guy he's a lucky guy but being on top all the time you know i can't believe he's 70 because 
he looks about 15 years older than me. Uh, the pressures of coaching at a North Carolina can get to you. They expect Final Four every year. And if you can't meet those requirements or don't do it two or three years in a row, uh, it might be time to move on. And I think that's what Roy feels. You know, For them to be a, in the 8-9 seed uh, is like a slap in the face to North Carolina alumni and former players. So he might have just said, all right, I've had enough. What more can I do? Here and he followed a legend in Dean Smith, and he, in his own right, you know, he had a great career in North Carolina, and and now somebody has to follow Roy, and that's a tough act to follow. Uh, again, you're hearing Tom Penders with me. He's at Tom Penders on Twitter. Love the inside of the coach that, again, was in the Elite Eight with Texas, Sweet 16 with Rhode Island, also in the NCAA tournament most recently with the Houston Cougars. I love reminiscing with you about that. Your team made a run in 2010 by winning the Conference USA tournament to get in the NCAA tournament. Your final season as a coach, you got into the NCAA tournament. And now, lo and behold, Houston with Kelvin Sampson in the Final Four, for the first time since Phi Slamma Jamma, Akeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler, Guy Lewis's teams. All right, give me a thought on Houston being there, and what kind of shot do they have with Baylor on Saturday, Tom Penders? Well, about two weeks before the tournament started, uh, they had um, a good friend of mine asked me who my picks for the Final Four were. And I didn't fill out any bracket sheets this year. My wife and my daughter handle all that, and my son, they do all that, those <laughs> things. But I did pick um, – I, I picked Gonzaga. I picked Baylor. I didn't know who's going to be in what bracket, uh, but it turned out that three out of the four, uh, the only one I didn't get would have caused Baylor to be knocked out, and that was Villanova. That was before they lost. Uh, Colin Gillespie, their you know their best player, their All American, uh, and he Jay Wright is one of the elite coaches in the country. He gave Baylor a lot of problems in that game, but Baylor has got an outstanding team. They're deep, they can run, or they can play half court. Their defense is solid. Uh, there's no weaknesses in the defense. Uh, he looks for matchups on the offensive end of the floor, and he tries to put his best defenders on, on your best offensive players. Uh, you know, that they're, they're a team that on paper, and you, you follow the teams all year long, they were one of those teams that I said, you know, if they get in the right bracket and end up playing Gonzaga uh, in, in, let's say, in the lead eight game or in the first round of the final four, they're good enough to beat Gonzaga. I don't see it happening with anybody else unless Gonzaga just folds, folds a tent. Uh, Houston and uh, Baylor will be a very interesting game. Uh, you never count Kelvin Sampson out. He's a great coach, always has been, and uh, I'm happy for him. We're, we're coaching friends and we communicate a lot. Every time I'm in Houston, I go over and watch practice and, uh, you know, maybe eat in their new cafeteria <laughs> just to see the things that have been built there since I sure. was there. Man, if you put a sandwich down and walked out of the room, it was liable to be eaten by a rat. 
uh, back in our <laughs> locker room. <laughs> it was a different deal. They have transformed that entire um, athletic department, and, and particularly in basketball, you know, with their new practice facility, and they, they can do everything. Uh, uh, they can even sleep there if they want to. It's got so much room, and they've thought of every little thing to have for the players. And I, I couldn't be happier, but that game is going to be the most interesting game in the Final Four, in my opinion. Houston's, you know, defense is outstanding. I don't think you can isolate them uh, and expect to go one-on-one with anybody. If you have a guy that gets hot, he's going to be double-teamed, and it's real hard to isolate against Kelvin's teams. Uh, he, he'll only switch when he knows he has the advantage of switching, and he, you don't get stuck with a 5'10 guy guarding their center. Um, you know, he, he's, he's, he's an elite coach. Well, it's going to be something else to watch. I know you're smiling even though I can't see you because it's an old Southwest Conference matchup with Houston and Baylor in the Final Four, and somebody goes to the national title game on that. Gonzaga likely to be there. Who knows about UCLA? And then Gonzaga maybe going for a perfect season in a Monday night championship game. I always love the conversation. You give me such great insight. Coach, I appreciate it here on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Enjoy the Final Four and the title game. And I pledge this to you, as long as uh, you are available and and willing, I'd love to have you in the future in Marches. We've done this over and over again in March. I pledge to you that I'll reach out to you again if you're willing and able and accepting the call. We'll talk some more March Madness down the road. I hope for many more years, Tom Penders. Thank you for being with me. All right, TJ. Always a pleasure. And there he goes. Love the inside of Tom Penders. Also, my analyst, Mark Wise, with me. Here we go with Baylor, Houston, and then UCLA and Gonzaga. What will happen? We're going to find out on this Final Four Saturday. We're back tonight after the games are over. Find us on TuneIn on the Tag Sports Group channel. Subscribe on podcast to College Basketball Coast to Coast. Enjoy the games.